the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know this is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Here's your host, Bob Bender. Well, good afternoon, Colorado Springs, Castle Rock, Pueblo. Hope you're having a great day, planning for a great weekend. A long weekend for a lot of us, Labor Day weekend, thanking God for our jobs and how I thank God for this opportunity to join you in your car at home, over the web, across the world, Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thank you for taking time to join us this afternoon. Pastor's Appreciation Dinner, October 26th. At Flying W Ranch, encourage your pastor to attend. If you're a pastor, we have scholarships available. Beverly and I will be there. We'll have our pastors across the region there. We appreciate Salem Communications and the Word FM 100.7 putting this on. They love our city. They love our pastors, and I hope to see you there. Well, each day I promised you a word. That's pretty a good deal since we are the Word, 100.7 FM. I'm praying through Ezekiel today, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit who causes us to walk in his ways? It is impossible to be able to walk in his ways and to uh, obey his word unless we have the Holy Spirit filling us and guiding us and using us, and may he do so in your life today, this weekend, and all the days of your life. Lord, thanks for the Holy Spirit, precious Holy Spirit, who fills us and uses us and guides us and causes us to walk in your ways to give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I can't tell you how I'm so excited about our program this afternoon. I had to backslide to go to sleep. I got a dear friend in our studio today, known him for years, and his name is Joe Baker. And two things I like about him. Number one, he's a fellow ginger. He's got red hair. He still has his red hair. I've lost mine. And then secondly, he loves to mountain climb. Now, I don't love him for that. I hate it for that. (laughs) He took me mountain climbing in the Garden of the Gods, and I was scared spitless, Joe. It's true. I'm going to take you to the basketball court and see how you do playing ball, man. That was a a great experience. Were were you as as scared as I was when you started climbing the mountains? You know, I don't think I've ever seen anybody quite as scared as you were when I (laughs) – I think I I got you in a little bit over your head on the first uh, route we did. Well, I couldn't even get off the ground, so you had to go down to the one booter for old Bobo here. But it was was great fellowship. It It really was. Thank you for it. It said a lot about you that you were willing to try the next one after the first one failed and scared you to to death. I tell you what, (laughs) well, we just do what we can to please our friends. Well, Joe has so many stories, and there's so many aspects of his life with his dear wife, Ann, and their family. In fact, Joe, I'm going to have you back on my program later. We'll talk about something. I mean, you got 
such a plethora of experiences that uh, we're going to we're going to talk about some more things later. But today, we're talking about parenting. Yeah, parenting has to be one of the greatest challenges the Lord ever gave us. I mean, what what tools do we have? Uh, to begin that process other than our homes of origin. You know, that's, that's the only experience I had. And so Joe and Ann, they're parents of uh, three young boys, and we're going to talk about parenting today, particularly boys, because that's all you got, right? That's all I got is right now is boys. Well, Joe, tell me about your fam and tell me about your philosophy of parenting. Very uh, unique. I'm very <laughs> excited to hear what you have to say. I got quite a few philosophies of parenting. <laughs> One of them, one of them is just uh, what kind of story are we inviting our kids into, you know? And that's a big part of like parenting in general. A lot of a lot of our life can just feel random unless we really intentionally put it forward and say, okay, this is what kind of family we have, and this is what kind of story we're telling. And uh, and so in our family, we do something unique. We take our kids, we train our kids to climb at a very young age. And so last year, my son Sam. Became the youngest person to climb El Capitan. Wow! With you, I assume. Not oh yeah, solo. I was the, I, <laughs> of course not solo. I was within five feet of him the entire way. Wow! How, how many feet is that? Oh, it's 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 like a mile straight up. I mean, this took man. us five days. Whoa! You know, slept and, on the side of the cliff, man. Yeah, yeah. You got to sleep. You're, just, you're either hanging from your fingers or you're clipped into anchors, hanging the whole way. Wow! And uh, it, it was one of the most life changing experiences to do with my son. In fact, you've been on television and stuff about this, haven't you? Yeah, there was like sixteen hundred different like news outlets that picked it up, wow. and and globally we wow. got all this attention because it was such a rad story about a yeah. father and son going up this humongous wall. Wow, amazing! <laughs> but but you know, like for us, like for it wasn't just about the you know the rah 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 of like the climbing the mountain. Mm-hmm. It was. That literally took us years of planning and preparation. What and, years? And yes, and forward thinking to get Sam it, like um, strong enough in all these disciplines, and then and to get all the logistics laid out to do this. And, wow, uh, and it took years. Where'd you start? At birth? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was. At, we started. Talk, we started start talking about it two years before we did it. Wow. And uh, and so we and that's how we think about with our kids and the mm-hmm. goals that we set for them. And we start working way in advance and start planning these things out, start developing those disciplines uh, so that they're ready when we get there. Well, that's unique. What I hear you saying is, Joe, each family's different. Oh, yeah. yeah each yeah. family has their own story. Right. So be, being in touch with how God has wired you as a parent, as a person, uh, the personalities of your kids, and what story maybe the lane— the Lord has for you. That sounds challenging, but yet easy. Like, like in our case, in raising our three kids, we said we got we got two rules: love Jesus and have fun. They're <laughs> pastors' kids, Joe, so we didn't want to give them the the idea, the miscommunication. Look, because you're pastors' kids, you have to be over here, you know, in La La Land. We're going to ask from you what normal Christians would do. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Just kind of find your lane? Uh. Yeah, you know, so so one thing that's unique about us and the story we're telling is each year we commit to one big goal per kid, okay. starting at five. All right. So once our kids turn five, we pick a big a big mountain to climb or something like that, and then we and then we develop them toward it. And wow. so 
Uh, is it always a mountain? I mean, do all, uh, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. It's and not, when he is old, he'll depart from it. it. I mean, all of mountain climbers, or it, how does that work? You know, it's not always going to be mountains, but okay. right. But we, but like one of the first virtue, actually, actually, I think it's Samuel Adams who said, like, uh, courage is this virtue that then supports all the other virtues. Well, so, I repeat that. Courage is probably the most important virtue there is. You know, and so I like thought it, about that because you need it to support all of the other ones, and so. It's such an easy one to begin to work on with our young kids mm-hmm. early. And and what's unique about courage, it's not about not having fear, you know, because we still carry the fear. The fear is there to keep you alive, you know, but we have to d- develop this tolerance to be able to push through it even when we feel it. And it's one of the most important things that we need to raise in, in, in our young boys is that we got to teach them how to overcome fear and to know when it's time to keep going forward, even when it feels really scary. You have hit a hot button, and I'm going to relate that to something perhaps you've thought of or perhaps you haven't. But uh, suicide is just epidemic. And could it be, Joe, that we're not raising one one component? I'm not saying it's the, the answer. Could it be, Joe, we're not raising our children resilient enough absolutely so that when the light when life caves in on them they don't know what to do they give up absolutely. lack of courage lack of resiliency that's why that's why it's this it's this virtue that's so foundational like mm. that that ability to push through when you know it's i mean courage is an important virtue and if they're not resilient in this world like yeah they're gonna get just taken taken away by the wind whether whether it's suicide or it's just to the, just the worldly things. There's so much pulling you. You need this tremendous inner strength. Mm-hmm. And yeah. these kids, you've got you've to actually get it inside these kids. Boy, that is very insightful, Walt. When we come back, let's unpack how we do this and what results you've seen in your boys as a result of instilling courage. Bob Bender, Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Glad you're a part of this afternoon's program. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back. Bob Bender here with Joe Baker talking about parenting. What a challenge, what an opportunity. And Joe, I remember this little anecdote, uh, talking about climbing, of a father and his son climbing, and the father is up the trail, the son's about 10 yards behind him and and there's a fork in the road and the father chooses the right one uh right versus left and the boy says uh choose the good path dad i'm right behind you Mm, so good the influence we have uh, by our lives our words our attitudes and our investment is inestimable yeah there's literally nothing in our life that we have more power over than our children mm-hmm. and uh, the way that our, the way that we affect them with our life and our decisions is tremendous. Yes. Yes. And it's, just, it's, it's likely the greatest you know work of my ministry of my whole life. Wow, would be wow, my children. Wow. What, uh, um, what a value added perspective and vision. And as we were talking off the air, we had a, uh, Stu Davis, you know Stu, he's head of Cause, uh, Cause I Love You. Uh, we were at a mayoral event oh, last week, two weeks ago, and he said, uh, I forget how he, he began. He said, man, I bet your kids were hard to raise. <laughs> <laughs> 
I said, Stu, have you know you know something I don't know? Because we got pretty strong willed kids, you know. And I said, Stu, they were the easiest kids to raise in the world. They really were, Joe. Now we might not have pushed them enough, but as I said, my my main regret uh, is from a, from being a parent looking back is I didn't spend enough individual time with my kids. I could have done a better job with that. And I'm sure you're you're on that all over like a flea on a dog. Well, hey, tell me, uh, you, you mentioned, if we can move into your philosophy again, those four stages. You want to address that now? Yeah, we can talk about that. So, the, yeah. so we think of it as four stages of parenting. Stage one, we call the commando stage, where all that matters in commando stage is that you don't negotiate with terrorists. It's like, if it's no, it's no. If it's yes, it's yes. And, and that's, everybody has... Hard time doing this, but it's so important that you you just say, oh, you didn't listen to me the first time, you're grounded, or you're, you're in the corner, or I'm going to give you a paddle, or whatever it is that well, you it's do. A, it's establishing boundaries early. Yes, yeah. yes. And you only have a short time to do yeah. that. This is, this is up until a child is like four or five years old, okay. and you're in this commando stage. And then you move into the coach stage, which, okay. which is one of the funnest stages. It's where I'm, I'm mostly living right now. And... Um, and that's where we're really kind of developing these virtues and these skills. And a lot of what we're doing is we're architecting an environment where children can actually discover some of the things that we can't just hand them or tell them. They need to actually learn certain things mm-hmm. like, like courage and inner strength, like we were talking at the last part. It's, it's something they have to discover. You can't just read it in a book, you know. And so, and as you move through that, and that's where we begin to learn like all the disciplines and they begin to gain self-mastery. Uh, we have to we have to coach those things into our kids. Okay. Then the next stage is like your counselor, and this is the this is the teen years. This is when you know the, your kid is you know starting in relationships, and and he just needs a talk. And mm-hmm. there's a certain kind of counseling relationship that's very different than the coach stage. It's now you're moving into a relationship where you know you're not as much of a disciplinarian. You've got to start letting your birds go, you know, mm-hmm. out, uh, out of the nest. You know, and then once our kids leave, that's when we move into the consultant stage, and that's where you're at. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the most important thing about the consultant stage is lots of parts of that, but but uh, that what I hear is is that you only give advice when it's asked of you, and so versus the other stages, you're still uh, re- readily parenting all the time. Um, but that's good. I'll repeat that again. <laughs> repeat those four real quick. So commando, okay, and then ca- and then coach, okay, and then counselor. And then uh, consultant. That's great. That's great. <laughs> I remember when our kids were teenagers, and of course I'm pastor Sunday morning, get up earlier, you know, and they'd come in Saturday night all hours wanting to talk, you know, <laughs> after their date or whatever. Man, yeah. you gotta you gotta be available. That's gonna be so fun if we develop a good relationship with them, and and you're really you know able to talk to them things that deal with like human sexuality and their sexuality and what 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 they're struggling with. You can develop this really intimate counselor relationship, mm-hmm. you know, in those years and talk to them about their relationships with the girls and what's going on in their lives and the things that really matter to them. And Good. I look forward to that. I'm not there yet, but my, my boys aren't interested in girls at all yet. Um, well, well, sometimes it's easier <laughs> to parent them when in the crib than when they're out on a date coming in late. But, hey, it all works for good. Here's the deal. Here's my approach, Joe, in parenting. Yeah. Rules without relationship leads to resentment. Mm. Relationship without rules leads to rebellion. Mm. So what we need, Joe, is that fine line between the, the relational bridge that's strong enough 
that you know they're on their team, you know you love them and respect them and accept them, so that when you have to do the challenging, when you have to remind them of the rules, well, then there's that relational bridge. So remember, parent, if all, if all you have is rules, uh, you're, go, you're going to get resentment. Yeah. But if all you have is relationships and no boundaries, you're going to get rebellion. And, and let's, go crazy. let's define that relationship. That, that relationship is a massive amount of quality time. Yep. And in, in my house, like, it's preparing for the next mountain. And so, so this summer, uh, my son Sylvan, his name is Sylvan Lightyear, and uh, 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 no, name your th- three kids. So we got we got Sam yeah. Adventure, Sam Adventure, Sylvan Lightyear, and then Joey Danger. And uh, Sylvan, How our, cool is that? our six-year-old, became the youngest person to climb Mount Moran, which is one of the tallest mountains in Wyoming, and it's one of those beautiful mountains. You'll if you Google Mount Moran, it's one of those beautiful mountains you'll ever see. Wow! And it was a massive undertaking. It took many days. We had to canoe across two lakes and uh, just to get to the bottom of it, and. Just a huge, you know, family adventure. But he had my one-on-one attention for days, mm. and uh, and I just—it's so important that each of my boys <clears throat> gets that time with me, and uh, and I, I I see that now, just early. Like that's that's one of the most important things when you talk about the rules in a relationship. It's that quality time. Well, wow, that's impressive, impressive. Now, talk to me about the being together with your son or daughter, I'm sure, in times of stress or danger, how that uh, not only bonds you to your child, but there's some kind of developmental things that happens in the brain. Talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, anytime you're on an adventure where you feel some risk and danger, it actually accelerates your relationship. You feel closer to someone. That's why if you're you're coaching somebody on finding that perfect girl, you know, yeah. it's like get on a roller coaster with her quick, you know, and that will bring you guys closer together in a good way. Um, you know, but I was at a conference and this, a brain surgeon, you know, guy had talked to me about this. He said, he said that when, when a brain uh, or when a, or when a, when a, when a child experiences fear uh, with his father, okay. like out on the playground and his okay. father's encouraging him to do something, the physical brain actually gains integrity hmm. in the same way. Like when a, when a child experiences trauma and fear away from a mother and father, like it actually, the opposite happens where it actually lacks that same physical integrity. Hmm. And he was saying, what he's trying to say to me is that this inner confidence isn't just a subjective thing. It's a real reality of how we parent, how we develop our mm-hmm. kids, how we kind of encourage our kids to do things that are a little more risky uh, is what's going to make them internally strong and able mm-hmm. to overcome scary things. Because you know it's you know and and even things like a lot of people will teach kids like, hey, be afraid of everybody, be afraid of every stranger. But really, that's a that's an interesting concept when you really think about it. Because if you have an opposite view of that and you're not afraid of every stranger, your strangers could become your wife someday. Strangers could become like your business partner. Mm-hmm. They could become like actually, actually, you you spend your whole life trying to overcome that. And what we have, and and naturally, we're afraid of people. Mm-hmm. And so, like in a lot of ways, like we have these natural fears, like fear of others, fear of heights, fear of things like that. You, you, it's so important as for me, in my philosophy of parenting to push our kids into that fear. And I, I'm always trying to get my kids to not be afraid of strangers. Like, it's actually the opposite, because I, I actually want them to learn how to sell things to strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got my son selling eggs to everybody in the neighborhood, uh, wow, his little great. egg business. <laughs> cool. 
I think encouraging our kids to overcome obstacles, equipping them to be ready for life. Jeremiah says, if you can't run with the footman, what are you going to do when the horses come? Get them ready for life. That's right, Joe. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back this Friday afternoon. Bob Bender with Joe Baker here. We're talking about parenting, one of the most perilous tasks could ever be assigned to a human being, but yet one of the most enjoyable and profitable. And if you have a question, perhaps you have an insight, comment, you can help our listeners with parenting. Call me, 844-500-WORD. 844-500-9673, 844-500-9673. And Joe, we'd love to hear from our listeners, wouldn't we? Try to help them along. Anytime, yeah. Call them with a question. That'd be great. You have uh, certainly helped helped us. Well, uh, Joe, let me share a little anecdote. Uh, it was summertime, and I walk in, and Beverly had had it with the kids, three kids, girl, boy, girl, and she had said this, that, and the other that they did, and initial investigation proved that she was exactly (laughs) right, and so I said, okay, kids, uh, uh, line up here on the couch, and they remember exactly the color of the couch is very, very colored, and I said, look, we're going to take care of this right now and explain to them what they had done wrong, why we're getting disciplined, they're getting disciplined. And uh, call me old school, but we used the spoon. Oh, we had yeah. a spoon that we used. And so so let's see. I believe Susie, our youngest, was first, and then Zach, and then Jessica. And they were knelt down over the couch in the praying position. <laughs> so I uh, come after Susie first, a couple of pats, you know, and she looks at me. Uh, she's. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about birth order here in a minute. She looked at me with a look and said, I dare you to make me cry. Yeah. I just dare you to make me cry. You know, you're not going to you're not going to win. I'm going to win this thing. So I had to spatter two or three times, you know, and, and I broke her will, you know, not her spirit, but broke her will. And then I get to Zach and just pat him one time and he's weeping all over the place because he's the sensitive one, you know. He's and he wasn't faking it. He 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 knew he had done wrong. And so so Joe, I get to my firstborn Jessica and she's knelt over the couch with uh, two pairs of jeans and a Gideon Bible in each back pocket, <laughs> ready ready for what comes. So my point is, uh, one size doesn't fit all, does it? You can't just line them up and take, a, take the same approach with all three, can you? Absolutely not. Yeah, each, each kid is so different, and they're each uniquely made in the image of God. Well, let me give a general idea, and we'll get specific with your with your three and how you can parent in, individually. And uh, by the way, uh, you do, do you home you homeschool in Christian schools? We, we do Christian schools. Okay, so they're not homeschooled. So it's not like they're they're home homeschool's great. I yeah. always I always yeah. thought of my wife as being a homeschool parent, but then after we got married, she said, "No, Joe, that's for imaginary moms." <laughs> that's super, <So>. super <laughs> imaginary moms, right? Yeah, that's so. uh, we'll, we'll do our part; they do theirs. Yeah. So here's here's the deal, listener, and I think you'll find this to be true. There is, uh, Kevin Lehman did a lot of work on birth order, and his, I'm just summarizing his findings, and they were so true in our family, Joe, and I want to get your response on your three. But the firstborn usually is the controller. 
we knew our, you know, they're born half adults, you know, and we knew our firstborn was going to take control. One day I looked out the window and Joe, she had the neighborhood kids and she was standing there in her shorts with the clipboard with the whistle around her neck, <laughs> giving, giving orders. So we knew that, okay, firstborn is control. He's the boss. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, the second born we have found compliant. They're in the middle, you know, and for whatever reason, they seem to be more compliant. Now, the third born, they're either going to be a challenger or a charmer, been mm-hmm. my experience. Challenger or charmer, they have to, to get their get their attention. That's the baby. That's the baby. And as soon as Susie was born, I looked at Beverly and said, prisoner pastor. Yeah. I mean, she came out fighting. She's mad at the world, you know. Luckily, she became a pastor praise the lord but and then your 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 only borns they're called super firstborn <laughs> they are conscientious i married one they're very conscientious so listener keep that in mind and maybe that will help you proverbs 22:6 train up a child in the way they should go according to their path according to their bent yeah and when they're old, and let's define old, sometimes that's old, they'll not depart from it. So respond to that, Joe, and how you parent with your three. Well, well just to respond to birth order, like it's, it's because each kid gets parented a little differently mm. because, you know, by the time you get to that last born, you've seen so many lost teeth and you've had so many birthday parties, it's just not as exciting when you get to them. <laughs> and, go outside and play, we'll call yeah. you a dinner tray. <laughs> when, it's t- when it's time for the tooth fairy, you're like, oh, crap, I forgot it again, you know? Uh, you know, it's just... It doesn't have the same energy and excitement as the first one. So the so the last one really has to learn to drum up that energy out of you. And, and, I, and I think also, may I interrupt you? I think a lot of parents begin with law. Hmm. They have this, you know, That's this vision of the perfect child. They they begin with law. They get softer. And by the time you get third or fourth one, man, it's all grace, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good point. You know, but it, but like you parent like I mean, and and the the. The statistics say that most lastborns are, are most um, like talk show hosts and like comedians are lastborns. Really, I didn't know. Whereas that. most presidents are firstborns. I'll be. Huh. And uh, there's uh, there's quite a bit of statistics on that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So th- I think that's one of one effective thing. But then another thing we're always looking for is what is each kid's superpower? Mm-hmm. Is how I like to think of it. Like what is the thing that they could get really good at because. Mm-hmm. All of us can only get good at a few things, right. and as soon as we can, we want to identify those things and really kind of draw, continue to draw that out of them. And mm-hmm. it was easy with Sam because we're a family of rock climbers, and so like, I mean he he's not just it's, he's not just good because he's in our family. Like he won he won the regional title, which is makes him one of the strongest climbers among five states. And, wow! And, and that's that's his that's his path. He was yeah. I think his parents, let me interrupt here. I'm going to take your thoughts down the negative road. I think sometimes, you know, I was like an average athlete, and we try to relive our lives through our kids. Now, I was an average athlete. You're going to be a real good one. You see, you see what I'm saying? I think there's a, a danger if we're not careful. We try to remake them in our own image. Mm-hmm. We want them to achieve the things in maybe our area, which isn't their area, that we did not achieve. You follow me? Yeah, so we got to figure out what that is. Yeah. What is what is each kid's superpower as they develop? And what are the things that we can really kind of draw out and create for them? Um and uh and I think that's, you know, that's a big part of my journey right now. I'm still figuring it out for my middleborn mm-hmm. uh and for my lastborn, they're still really young. Well, that's the path. Uh what are you saying is that's 
what they're good at, what they eventually be good at. I have a general idea, very generic. Uh, kids normally go in one or two or three ways. Either they'll go the arts direction, the athletics direction. That's good. The academic direction or the ability to make money. <laughs> Entrepreneurial direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's an overstatement, but finding their path, coaching them in that way, and it might be maybe something out of my own experience. My middle son, he's a techie. I'm not a techie, see? Yeah. So I've got to release him to be that. Our oldest is entrepreneurial, our youngest athletic and, and whatnot. So finding that, getting in touch with, is trial and error, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I think there's a lot of learning in what 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 our kids' special specialties are. But when we do it's it when it jives right, it's it feels so good to mm-hmm. really develop that kid, you know, in the direction that they're made to be. I would encourage you as a listener if you're a parent, uh number 1, seek seek the Lord. Uh people ask, how 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 did you really, Joe, how did you come out with such great kids? I said, it's it's right out of Lamentations 2, cry aloud in the night for the lives of your little ones who are hungry at the head of every street. And we we have found the, the key to our parenting, because we had so little skills, would just seek the Lord in prayer, man. Just saturate your parenting with prayer. Seek the Lord. Ask Him to give you the wisdom you need and pray for your kids and they'll turn out in good shape. Lord willing. No guarantees, Lord mm. willing. See you back for our next session. Stay tuned. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. All right. Welcome back. A very energetic, entertaining, and equipping conversation here with Joe Baker, super parent. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I don't say that. I got lots of mistakes. Uh, we learn by our mistakes. That's for sure. Let me tell you a little story, Joe, and help me unpack this thing. Uh, firstborn, they tend to be the overachiever, you know, and our firstborn was overachiever. Our others achieved, but the, the first one's just kind of out there, you know, and, and one afternoon, evening, our oldest was having a conversation with our mom, and Beverly's encouraging the other two. And Jessica says, "Well, mom, why don't why don't you encourage me, like you do Zach and Susie?" Beverly said something to the effect, "Well, honey, everything you touch turns to gold. Man, <laughs> you're just out there achieving, right and left, you know." And she said something to the effect, "Well, mom." I need it too. Why do you think I'm out there doing all that stuff? Wow. You see, sometimes we we think that those who got it all together, those who are doing all the stuff, overachieving, don't need the encouragement. It might be they're trying to prove their existence by their productivity. Hmm. It might be that, in fact, it could would be that they need just as much as encouragement as the others. So parents take that into effect and make that a priority that you might just see all of your children in need of your attention, your encouragement, no matter whether they're overachievers or not. And while I'm thinking about it, Joe, I'm going to recommend a book. 
when we were parents, there was one book for parenting other than <laughs> other than Dr. Smock or whatever, some worldly thing. It was, oh, what was it? The Christian Home by Larry Christensen, something like that. Mm. That was the only resource we had. You know, we didn't no. have Jim Dobson, all these resources. And we did our best, and we failed a lot and succeeded a lot, trial and error, like you said. But I would encourage every uh, parent to read The Blessing by Gary Smalley. Hmm. I think, Joe, one of the most tragic verses in the Bible is Esau crying out to Jacob, Hmm. Bless me, even me, Father Esau, Isaac, I'm sorry, crying out to his dad, bless me, even me also, Father, because Isaac had blessed Jacob and Esau was kind of left out there. The cry for the blessing. And to me, the blessing means a relational bridge. It means affirmation, encouragement. And it means verbally telling them you love them. Yeah. It's actually like a transfer of power. Mm. You know, it's like that's we have this tremendous power to bless our children. Yes, in the Old Testament, it's a big deal. Yeah. And, you know, one of the ways you can see that is because just coming with the blessing comes power. So does a curse come with tremendous power. It's good. And, And like the story we were talking offline about is that, you know, our prisons are all filled with these males. Okay. If you do the statistics on them, they're all very, very few of them have a father, have a father wow. in their life. It's all, it's single mom at best raising these kids. Wow. And so your statistics of a child without a father, you know, to go into jail is way higher. And mm. and somebody, somebody decided, well, let's do the statistics on what it means, you know, in a family that it just has a father and not a mother, just to see what that yeah. That was. And what was remarkable about that, not saying that there are amazing, important things a mother brings, but the statistics of, of going to jail, if you have just a father in the house and not a mother, are the same as if you have a mother and a father. Wow. Me- meaning that it's anchoring just that father role. It's not yes. just the parent. It's not just missing a parent. It's missing the role of the father mm-hmm. that offers the blessing or offers the curse you know, to that child. And, and when a father abandons their child... It's a deep wound. It's a deep curse that sets them up for great, great failure. And what do they lack? They lack those virtues, mm-hmm. those virtues that we bless into our children. Yes. By, I think, verbally telling them what they're good at, as you yes. say, finding their superpower and, and speaking and, into it. Yeah. Engaging that. And, uh, a, a, and, then, and then architecting that environment and, t- and sh- helping them f- discover, you know, these deep truths mm-hmm. that you can't just kind of just pick up like you went to the store and got them. You have to really help them discover it. Right. One thing we did, which was meaningful, we had family night every Thursday night, you know, no TV, and that was when Cosby on. That was when Cosby was good. Cosby, wow. (laughs) Had to turn that off. We couldn't couldn't record it. No, no, no. Let's have family time. Let's play a game. And one of the stupidest things we did, Joe, had this great great idea, because we'd have worship time, you know. I said, let's sing through the Baptist hymnal. Oh, it was the right motivation, a terrible thing to do. I think we got to page 46. Yes, That's forget funny. This. <laughs> yeah. God of earth and outer space really didn't work for family time. But spending time together as a family, and we were blessed. Uh, Beverly had dinner fixed at home. We'd sit around the table 
family, it's important you sit around the table. Don't sit on the couch, a TV chairs, watching TV, having dinner. Man, the table in the Bible, very, very significant, Yeah, what happens around the table. So that was high value to us, uh, sitting around the table every night with dinner and engaging one another and uh, having a family time, playing a game, worship time, prayer. In, in our house, the table's really sacred. But so is the campfire mm. in our in our home. It's the campfire oh, is like the cool. most is the most reverent you know space that we own, and it's I I actually tried to count this year because I just wanted to keep track. You know, if you treasure it, you measure it. How many times you'd have a campfire, and I and I lost count um, because uh, my kids would have a campfire every night if they could, and just there's something really special in raising boys around a fire. We do a lot of hobo dinners. Have you ever done hobo dinners? Yeah, dinner? we're having that tonight. You we're are? Hobo dinner. Yeah, we put it in the oven, man. It's great. Love you, it, man. You can't put it in the oven. You can't put it in, no, the, in man, the flame. No, we're, we're not outdoorsy. I'd hate to say it. You know, we're just wimps. Well, we, we've got a little <laughs> pond in the backyard where wow. we, we, have, we have our campfire, and kids come out of the pond covered head to toe in black, and and uh, we just love the fellowship that yeah. we find around that warm fire. Right. Try to build those memories, whatever those memories are, on the basketball court or the baseball diamond or around a musical instrument or finding their academic bent, their bent, engaging that. Some of my sweetest memories were, were time alone with Dad in those moments and with, with Granddad even. I remember distinctly, Joe, my granddad was a chain smoker, died in his mid-60s of emphysema, but just sitting in his lap at his desk, just being with him, the touch, the closeness. And I was, what, in junior high? You you know, like when I I plan out some of these adventures with my son, like where we, I knew I'd be with him all day, I would actually like plan out some conversations I would want to have with him. Mm. And when I'd get on the wall, I felt like those conversations would just never like work. (laughs) Like they just like, you know, I was really trying to be like super dad intentional. Right. But really what was important was, it was like something was passed in us just working together, in us just being on the cliff together. Mm. And it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like I needed to have this doctrinal presentation for my son. Yeah, yeah. What he really needed is just me. He just needs me to like to just bless him and to, you know, affirm him and to spend that quality time with him on the wall. Like that that was more important than yeah. me like trying to come up with a devotional for the day. Sure, yeah. Withness. Yeah, I call it withness, and I want to challenge fathers and granddads. Uh, the, one of the tragedies of today's society, Joe, is the is the absent father. Not only the absent father, but the passive father and the angry, tired mother. Yeah, we've got to overcome that paradigm and challenge the dads to get engaged uh, because uh, the 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 results of this are not good societally. Yeah. They're going to go one way or the other. Prison. Or they're going to have some sexual identity problems. So dads, get involved with your children. Take a date with your daughter. Spend time with your son. Get to know them. Yep, yep. Get to know them. Know them. Get in their world. Get in their world and lead them to the Lord. God bless you. God love you. I love you. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Joe. This has been great. It's been fun. 100.7 The Word. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.